630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. We are on the eve of NHL free agency. What do you think? Who should the Oilers go after? Plus, Yessi Puliyarvi ready to return. You'll hear from him a little bit later on. Looking at the scoreboard, top of the third, Yankees lead the Rays 2-0. Tampa Bay up 2-1 in the series. Atlanta sweeps the Marlins with a 7-0 victory. The Astros finish off Oakland in Game 4, 11-6 for Houston today. Dodgers and Padres coming up later. Dodgers up 2-0 in that series. Thursday night football kicks off in about 15 minutes, 3-1 Chicago, 3-1 Tampa Bay. Tom Brady ready to go for the Bucks on Thursday night football. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, 7 minutes after 6. Reed Wilkins with you. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show former NHLer and currently the head coach at the University of Wisconsin. It is Tony Granato. Tony, thanks for making time for us. How are you doing? Hi, Reed. I'm doing fine. How's everything out in Edmonton? We're doing okay. We're doing okay. Uh, you, you can feel uh, you could feel a little bit of winter in the air today, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're we know it was bit, coming. We're getting a little bit of that back here in Madison as well. Yeah, for sure. Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, obviously, I want to ask you about Dylan Holloway, but Tony, I want to flash back, if you don't mind, to your draft experience because I was going back and, and brushing up on your career a little bit. And you were you not drafted out of high school? You hadn't gone to school to, to Wisconsin yet as a player when you were drafted? What was the story there? Well, I, I was at Northwood Prep in uh, Lake Placid. I was playing prep school. The draft was quite a bit different back then from the standpoint that there wasn't the hype leading up to it. There were no prospect lists that would come out and give you an idea that you, you know, were going to get drafted or you might get drafted or where you're ranked. So, so I didn't really know if I was even, you know, part of the draft that year. And, and I got a call on the second, on the uh, Sunday morning, the draft was a Saturday. I got a call Sunday morning from a friend was at the draft and said you got drafted yesterday by the rangers and sure enough uh we got paper and saw that i was and then the rangers called and let me know so it's quite a bit different than it is uh today's uh promotion and 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 kind of spotlight that they they uh they put the kids under and the excitement that you have of, of a draft was was not quite what it was back then but obviously when you get that phone call and you say an nhl team just just uh you know has your rights and, it, and for me the new york rangers being one of the original six teams and uh you, you stop in your boots and you start shaking and you realize holy cow you know a dream come true to get drafted and like holy cow now i got some work to do to try to uh, you know make it someday to the nhl so it's it's an exciting day for all of the kids i i it was, it was interesting because I, I did have a quick conversation with wayne yesterday uh before the draft and you know he's sitting in front of his tv an hour before the draft like he was going to get drafted again like his enthusiasm for the sport of hockey and the excitement for the kids and the families of the kids that are going to get drafted i could hear it in his voice of him you know having that passion and, and love for the game and the people of the game that kind of set the tone for me on what the draft really is uh listening to Gretz talk about that so so that was kind of a cool way to start the draft off and then to have him to have dylan holloway get drafted by edmonton uh made it that much more special well and that segues into my questions about dylan we got to uh, interview him briefly during our special draft show on tuesday obviously he was really excited tell us a little bit about this young man and i'm going to assume here you're going to tell me about the person as well as the player because that's really important 
Yeah, and I think that's where he stands out, like as far as just being a humble, mature understanding of what it's, you know, what the importance of of uh, understanding what it takes to be in a locker room of, of NHL players. Like I think he came into our room and nobody knew him when he came into our dressing room. Here he comes in with Alex Turcotte as the fifth pick overall. Cole Caulfield is the 15th pick. Andre Miller was the first-round pick. And, and lots of other draft picks in our dressing room. And he gets off the plane from Alberta and comes into a, you know, a, a small town in Wisconsin. And, and from the first day he got here, I go, you know, he gets it. He comes from a very humble, uh, grounded family, balanced. He's he's done it the right way. Uh, he kind of always had the, the uh, I don't want to say underdog chip on his shoulder, but he always felt, you know, that, hey, he could do more than and be a better player and kind of do it in a quiet way than some of the other people that were getting the attention. And I think that's kind of what this draft uh, was as well, because uh, I've watched him, you know, obviously for the last 12 months, but for the few years before that, I've watched his development uh, to get ready to be college hockey and put himself in a position uh, where the NHL teams are obviously, and especially Edmonton, really excited about uh, what he can do as a player. And, and uh, I think he's just starting to, to, you know, blossom. I think he's got a lot, lot left uh, as far as his development goes. Um, but um, he's a very polished kid that has great skill, uh, a great work ethic. He's got a, a compete to him that, that it takes to, to make it to the NHL. And the other part I really like about him, he's, he's coachable from the standpoint. Coach, where do you want me to play? You want me to play left wing center? And we've been a second line, third line, first line, whatever you want. That's his mentality. There's never a, oh gosh, I should be on this line or I should be playing with that guy or how come I'm not on this, you know, power play unit or you know, there's nothing like that. He's he's coachable, uh, he's looking to learn and get better, uh, and that's why I think he'll just continue to blossom and, and grow as a player. Tony, it's interesting when we get ready for a draft, whether you're a guy in the media like me or a lot of fans who get interested in it. You start reading all this stuff. You know, you can watch things on YouTube and highlights on websites. And the one thing that gained momentum about Dylan, and I want to ask you if this is fair or not, the the one thing that gained momentum about Dylan was that he needs to be better uh, offensively. And he he kind of referenced it himself that he needs to finish a little bit more in the interview we did with him. But, you know, I wonder if, if, if that's a legitimate sort of criticism of him at this point in his career. Well, I, I can just say this. He led the A.J. in scoring. As a, you know, he was 16 when that season started. Uh, the only player ever to do that is 17-year-old was Comrie. Uh, so, and, and the game's gotten better than when Mike Comrie played, and that league's gotten better. Um, so, scoring, I don't think is is an issue. Do you want him to lead the league in scoring? You got, you know, you got McDavid and Drysaddle in your organization. You don't need, you know, Dylan Holloway to come in there and get 100 points for your team to have success or for him to be a great NHL player. Uh, so, I think he, he's a guy that will finish he will score um if his cap in the nhl is is 20 to 25 goals a season uh for the 14th pick overall with what you get besides that you got a heck of a pick in that in that position so so i think his upside you know uh you know i i kenny holland has obviously done a ton of work on him uh, as far as watching him and, and trying to learn about him uh and him and i had a conversation yesterday or a couple of days ago before the draft and he said okay what's his upside and i said well i, I said kenny I, I said i play with a guy named marco Sturm, uh who was reliable he could play any forward position uh he could play first second third fourth line it didn't matter but he would have an impact on the game in a positive way and he'd be great in your locker room 
and uh, and he got 20 to 25 goals, you know, uh, in, the, in the peak of his career. So that's the bottom end for me, for him. I think that's what he can be. He can be a Marco Sturm for you. And then there's, a you know, an upside to him that I think is even a lot more special than that. Um, but, um, you know, this year is, a, I think, a year that he's going to have an opportunity now to be kind of our primary guy. Last year we had a lot of players playing in front of him. This year, he you know takes over a lot of those responsibilities that Turcotte had. He's going to get a chance to be on the ice with Caulfield and some other great players. So I think this year he could really uh, you know turn himself into a guy that produces numbers uh, that people are more impressed by. But if you watched him play last year from game one through, through our last game of the year, uh, you saw a kid that, that had a ton of uh, compete in him. Uh, was it a factor in the game uh, one way or the other, whether it was skating, whether it was his physical play, uh, whether it was his battle at the net front. Um, and uh, so I, th- I think he's got uh, uh, an opportunity this year to, to put some more points on the board and, and, uh, and get himself ready for pro hockey. And that was the, the other conversation, you know, with Kenny, your question was, you know, when will he be ready? And, you know, this is a big year for him uh, from the standpoint. Yeah, he'd love to be in Edmonton at some point soon, but I don't think there's a race to get there. I think it's, uh, you know, continue to develop and grow. This year he should be a really, really good college player and potentially an All-American. But I think, you know, he comes, he comes back another year, even after a great year like that, he has a chance to be, you know, the best player in college hockey in a couple of years. And, and when you can do that and, and – get yourself ready in that way for college. You look at Makar, that's the guy that I always, you know, say two, two years after his draft year, he played college hockey. And that first year he was really good. Probably could have turned to make it to the NHL. Second year he dominated, put himself in the Hobie Baker uh, race and won that, and then stepped into the NHL and didn't just play in the NHL, but it has had an impact on the second he got into Colorado's lineup. I think that that's what, you know, the college players that are the high-end guys like Dylan uh, should look to do. Tony Granato, University of Wisconsin hockey coach, joining us on Inside Sports. I'm glad you referenced Dylan's success in the AJHL. I used to live and work in Lloyd Minster, covered the AJ. I know that if you lead the league in scoring, that's usually reserved for 19- and 20-year-olds, so it is significant he did it at his age. Tony, I've also been lucky enough throughout my career to cover post-secondary sports, whether it's colleges or universities, and that's where I want to go next with your journey as a head coach. I've developed a saying over the year, and I I, I ask a lot of coaches about this, um, you can win a lot of games in the summer. Tell me about the recruiting uh, side of the job for you and and how competitive it is uh, in NCAA hockey. Well, it is competitive. Um, you know, we I, I've been here four years now. Uh, the the uh, four years has been uh, uh, a learning experience for me in, in a few different ways. But but I think you know when I came back here, you know we we had, our, our program had had dropped to a, a low level where, where we were really having trouble winning games. We had won four games one year and then eight games the, the year after that. So. So we weren't in a very good position, and the idea for us as coaches when we came back was to we got to get the high-end skilled guys back here. Uh, we got to change a lot of things to get back to being an elite program. We, we've been, uh, you know, we've got six national titles here. We've got, you know, 89 or something guys that have gone on to play the NHL and had some tremendous careers from guys that have left here. So we got a tradition in history, but we, we were off a little bit. So so recruiting to Turcotts, Caulfields, Holloway's, Emerson's, Miller's, uh, the high-end guys um, were important to us to get you know, those are the Joe Pavolskis, the Ryan Suters, the Chris Chelios, and Scott Mellenby's and other guys like that that 
we've had those type of players back in our program. So that was the first thing. We got them back here. Now we, we need to build depth uh, and four-year guys and some guys that come in older to support that talent. I think we've started to do that. You know, last year was a disappointing year because I think we were probably, you know, one of the most talented teams in college hockey, but we were young and, and, uh, and I say we were a little bit immature from the standpoint that we couldn't turn that into the results that we should have. Uh, but uh, it's been a, a great, you know, uh, journey for me because this is where I played. I played four years here. I got uh, a ton of passion and, and uh, time invested in this, and this is where I want to be to get this program back to being, being elite. And, and when you can recruit a kid from Alberta and sit down with the Holloway family, explain to them what you're trying to do as a, a building a program and, and be able to, to have him, you know, to make the commitment to come here and, and turn down all his junior opportunities uh, was certainly one of the rewards when you get a chance to, to, to pull a kid out of Alberta, you know, not just because he's a good hockey player. And the more you learn about Dylan and his family and, and get to see him, the more you'll know what I'm talking about. It's, uh, uh, for me, a, a great opportunity to coach a young man that I know is going to uh, appreciate his time here in Madison and uh, and represent us when he does leave here in, in the way he shows uh, his skills to the, the Oilers and, and to the NHL fans that are going to get lucky enough to see him. How do you, I mean, you played in the NHL where you're playing three or four games a week. The, the NCAA schedule is a lot different, just like U sports here in Canada. We have the Golden Bears. They usually play Friday, Saturday. How do you manage the different balance between practice time and game time to keep the practices upbeat and energetic and not sort of like, oh, geez, another three days of practice before we play type of thing? Well, I think it's the perfect setup for development. I think this is the for for a kid trying to get to the NHL. We got first of all, we got a strength coach, uh, Jim Snyder. Uh, he's been here a long time. Uh, he, I'll give you an example. Joe Pavelski is his guy. So Pav, during the year, he's got a strength and conditioning coach that he had in San Jose and in Dallas this last year that he uses. But he's on the phone or or contacting Jim every single day to to help him through the the activities of a day and what he needs to do to be ready for the game. But we're fortunate that he has, we have him every day here at the University of Wisconsin to help our kids uh, understand what it's going to take off of the day. So so they're able to continue their workouts Monday through Thursday, uh, which, you know, during a normal pro season or maybe even a junior season when you're playing during the week, you don't have that opportunity to do so. So we play Friday, Saturday, Sunday's the day off, and then we, we build up uh, during the week. But but lots of the development physically uh, is done off the ice and the strength and conditioning side of things. Um, and then the other thing is you play Friday, Saturday against the same team, and you look at college hockey now. You look at our conference with Michigan, with Minnesota, with Penn State, Ohio State. You know, you go down the list, Notre Dame. You're playing against other kids that have the same ambition to be in the NHL, and most of them are, are drafted as well. So the competition that you get in those two games uh, and then the, the four or five days to practice uh, and develop, I think, is is a perfect recipe for for what young players need. And you don't need four years of it if you're a first-round pick uh, and an elite player. You, you might need one, two, or three. Uh, but but the, for the kids that, that are, are middle-round picks and, and uh, um, not quite as high-end skill, that four years of development competition that you have at, at the university is a, a really good uh, uh, option to have to uh, to try to make it to the NHL. Tony Granato joining us on Inside Sports. Tony, i, I got to throw one more at you. During the hockey season, Kelly Rudy is a weekly guest on this show. 
I texted him this afternoon and said you were coming on, and Kelly wrote back, he's simply the best. I loved playing with Tony because he competed as hard as anyone I ever played with. There you go, from Kelly Rudy. Well, you know, it's funny because when you, as soon as you brought his name up, that was the thing I was thinking about him. Competitor, uh, you know, we had a run together in L.A. there, and then we had some time together in San Jose there as both our careers kind of winded down. Uh, there's not a better teammate, a uh, better guy to be around off the ice, uh, a better family man that, than Kelly. So we, we I'm lucky because I go back and remind myself and kind of look back at team pictures and, and, and rosters of guys that I played with. I even look through my phone list and say, oh, my gosh, you know, was I lucky to not only, you know, have made it to the NHL, but to have had the opportunity to play with guys like Kelly. So so I mentioned Wayne a few minutes ago when we got on the call about the, the uh, him you know, wanting to talk to Dylan yesterday after or a couple of days ago after the draft. And then you think, oh, my gosh, I played with Wayne for seven years. You know, you look how, you know, as a hockey player uh, and someone, you know, that, that gets lucky enough to play the sport as long as I have, you go back and that's what you are so grateful for, the opportunity to play with people and players like Kelly and Wayne and then Marty and Yari. And I could go on your probably half of your Edmonton Oiler, uh, you know, all-star uh, list. Uh, you know, they, a lot of those guys came to L.A., Charlie Huddy, Grant Fuhr, Paul Coffey. Oh, my gosh. It, and it just, you know, you, you say, I got an opportunity to play with those guys and see what they were all about. And that's what makes uh, being a pro athlete uh, that much more special is the opportunity to be with those guys. Yeah, right on. Well, Tony, thanks for being so generous with your time. Uh, th- thanks for the information on Dylan Holloway. Sounds like an awesome young man. And uh, I don't know if Kelly was like this when you guys played together, but he certainly is the best we, we have for restaurant recommendations around the league too. So that's important. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, Tony, boy, thank you so much for checking in. Great night. Thank you. Right on. That is Tony Granato, the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers hockey team. Uh, love talking to him. Pretty good player, pretty good player. I mean, burst in with the Rangers uh, after going to Wisconsin and had 36 goals, 63 points as a rookie, eventually got traded to the LA Kings. He was on that team with Kelly Rudy when they went to the Stanley Cup final in 93. Uh, that was a really good season for Granato. Had 82 points in 81 games and then 17 more points in 24 playoff games and then finished his career with the San Jose Sharks. And uh, you can tell he's got a lot of energy about coaching Wisconsin. You heard his uh, his report on Dylan Holloway. He thinks he uh, he's going to be a pretty solid offensive player and uh, likes his attitude a lot. Said he came to the Wisconsin with the right attitude right from day one. So that is good to hear. It is 625. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad Pugliarvi coming up. Some free agency chat coming up on Inside Sports. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Good chat with Tony Granado. Sonny in Vancouver, Texas. He says, does it make sense to trade for Brandon Dubinsky with his and Clefbaum's potential LTR? It would open up a lot of cap space. Um, that's an interesting question, Sonny. I think you got to be careful a little bit with LTIR. It's not a complete get out of jail free card. The way it, the way it was explained to me is when, when you put a player on LTIR, the number you were at before he went on LTIR kind of becomes your new cap. So you don't want to put guys on LTIR unless you're really close to the cap. And then you can start going over by, by that amount. Now the orders could be in that situation, but um, yeah, I, Sonny, I would be careful with that. And there are some ins of outs of, of LTIR that, uh, 
that can create some challenges too. That is an interesting question though. 780-496-0063. Hey, what do you want the Oilers to do with free agency? Put on your armchair GM hat or sit in your armchair GM chair. We'll be back. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 3-0, Tampa Bay leading Chicago. Eight and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Thursday night football, baseball playoffs. Bottom of the fourth, Yankees at bat and leading the Rays 2-1. Tampa Bay's up 2-1 in the series. The Braves finish off the Marlins three in a row with a 7-0 victory. The Astros win 11-6 over the A's to take that series three games to one. Again, the Astros 29-31 in the shortened regular season. Dodgers and Padres Coming up in half an hour, Padres must win to stay alive in that best of three. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Happy to hear from you, of course. James writes in, any more info on the uh, early Jacob Markstrom rumors coming to the Oilers? Uh, James, uh, just continue to see that the Oilers uh, might be in on Markstrom. Um, I guess we'll find out over the next few days. Haven't really seen anything uh, else more concrete today. That would be an interesting one if the Oilers were able to get uh, Markstrom. And if they did, they uh, they obviously wouldn't have a lot of cap space left to uh, I don't know, add many other players of, of significance. But goaltending is important, as you hear me say millions of times on this show. Uh, this texter says, I would like to see local boy Johnny Boychuk come home to play defense for the Oilers. Uh, he would be a good pairing for Ethan Bear and help him mature. Yeah, well, Boychuk's still, uh, what does he have? Oh, he still has two years left on his contract at a $6 million cap hit. So I'm not uh, not sure that that is going to be somebody the Oilers would pursue. That would have to be uh, a trade. Just double-checking here, something about Boychuk. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, and I think, just checking something here, guys. Hang on. But Boychuk being uh, yeah, being a right shot, I don't think he would wind up being paired with Ethan Bear uh, anyway. But yeah, Boychuk is an Edmonton kid. So l- let me know. Uh, we, you can call or text. I- I'm curious the, the feeling out there. Um, is there a free agent you want the Oilers to really go after? Whether it's Markstrom whether it's Barry, whether it's Kyle Turris to round out the, uh, you know, the top nine, whether it's, uh, you know, maybe Tory Krug out of Boston, maybe you, you chase somebody there. I would think Alex Petrangelo is going to, you know, wind up in, uh, in St. Louis. Taylor Hall is out there. Now, these are some of the players I mentioned that if you sign one of them, that's probably the only really significant piece you add in free agency. And, and then you're rounding out. The roster, maybe, uh, you know, somebody asked about Dominic Cahoon yesterday. There's a guy who would come in on the third line. He's a fast skater, things like that. So I'm just I'm just wondering the, the feeling out there. I mean, Anton Kadobin with the Dallas Stars, he's he's going to be a free agent. Just had a great playoff with, with the Dallas Stars. Is, is that a goaltender you go after? I mean, clearly Holland's going to have more than one play, uh, more than one plan here. But 
who's somebody you'd really chase and you'd say to yourself, we got to pay this guy, even if we overpay him. And then we live with whatever else you can get. Somebody just wrote in Mike Hoffman. Maybe that's somebody. I think I keep bringing up Tyson Berry for a few reasons. And I'll give you my logic here. Uh, it may surprise you that occasionally I try to think logically, even though it might not seem like it. Miku Koivu, I think that's, you know, there. and here's the thing with Puliyarvi, and we're going to get to Puliyarvi in a second. Would Koivu be a good mentor for Puliyarvi? And here's the thing. Anybody you sign for the third or fourth line, you want some offense from that has been a difficulty for, for the Oilers' depth players over the last few years is you have the, the big guns and then you don't have enough other people doing stuff. Um, but Koivu doesn't have to be one of the big guns like he was with the Minnesota Wild for a while. He's a really good all-around player. Clearly, he's older. Is that somebody you could look at for one year and say, look, we need you to, this, this is the role we need you to play. This is how much you're going to play. You know, you're coming in as a support guy. You don't have to be the captain. You don't have to be the headliner. And we need you to be there for Yessi Pugliarvi, right? We, you, we need Yessi Pugliarvi to succeed. You got to be Uncle Miko this year, for, for lack of a better term. So that, that's an interesting name out there as well that somebody texted in. Uh, where was I going with that before I got to the Koivu text? Uh, yes, so you can let me know if, if there's somebody you'd really pres- – oh, Tyson Berry, that's where I was going. I got I to start making notes, Kellen. I got to get out my magic marker. Make some notes here. <laughs> got to dust off the pencils yeah, in here. Uh, are, you, are you still using your desk? Like, did you move your full desk down or back up? Or, like, what did you do? You just moved all the... It's a full... It's one of those folding tables. You fold it in half and push the legs oh, in. Oh, okay. It has a little handle come out. That's... I do have more of a proper desk, but that's uh, that has other personal stuff on it. Gotcha. So, here, here's my thinking with, with Tyson Berry. And I, I won't spend a lot of time on him, but just to, just to wrap up that thought. Okay, so Oscar Kleffbaum, we can operate under the assumption he misses all or most of the season. Let's let's assume worst-case scenario and that Oscar Kleffbaum doesn't play. Tyson Berry, I I do get the the sense from things I hear um, that he, he wouldn't mind coming to the Edmonton Oilers, and maybe you get him for four, four and a half, um, and then he's a right shot, he can run the power play, probably better on the power play than Clefbaum would have been. Darnell Nurse would have to play more minutes uh, on the left side, but he wouldn't have to take the power play time. So maybe Nurse's minutes kind of balance out because we know when Darnell plays a little more, the play tends to drop off a little bit. So maybe, you know, he's your top five-on-five defenseman, but he doesn't have to be your top special teams defenseman and Barry plays on the power play and you, and he might be affordable and he might want to come to Edmonton and be a puck mover with some of the big guns that the Oilers have. That, that is my thinking about Barry. Uh, now who knows, maybe at 10 Oh one tomorrow, he signs with some other team and, and I'm telling everybody how, how stupid I am tomorrow on the show. Well, I'll probably do that anyway, but that that's my, that's my reasoning about Tyson Barry. So Take it or leave it. I, you know, I'm happy to hear from you. Uh, your pal Cal, I don't know if you've, uh, we've heard from Cal before, says, Reed, I, I want the number three center to be a right-handed shot. But my number three center targets are Ryan Strom. Wow, is he coming back here? I don't know. Different regime now. Tyler Johnson, Kyle, uh, and Kyle Turris in that order. Okay. 
Uh, now they would have to obviously trade for Johnson. And they'd have to trade. I was just double checking. Strom was qualified. So they would have to trade for Strom. He's not going to become a UFA. Uh, and then Turris is the guy you could get through a free agency. And maybe you could get Turris on, on a decent deal. I was reading some quotes from David Poyle today and saying we brought Kyle Turris to Nashville to be the number two center on the team and to score. And he didn't score enough. So therefore, we got to walk away from the contract. Now, Turris, I'm just going to double check his stats here. He got like 20 tabs open. Uh, Turris, 31 years of age, from British Columbia. So this past season, he had 31 points in 62 games. He had exactly half a point a game. The year before that, he had 23 points in 55 games. And the year before that, he had 42 in 65. So over the last three years, uh, well, I missed a few of his games with Ottawa in 17-18. But anyway, so if Kyle Turris is an Edmonton Oiler and is a half a point a game player, and is on the third line, that's kind of what the Oilers need. They don't need him to be the number two center or to get 60 points like maybe Nashville was hoping. Dale says, wasn't Tyson Berry with the Leafs who had upfront firepower? Dale, that is absolutely right, and that is absolutely a, a fair comment. Um, I think I, th- I get the sense in the hockey world that there's the feeling that Berry could play better than he did last year with the Leafs that he's certainly not finished as a player, but fair comment. That was supposed to be his job with the Leafs, get the puck up to the guys, get a ton of assists, help on the power play, and maybe he didn't do that to the extent that they like. Fair comment, fair concern. I get it. But that's why I'm saying, though, Dale, maybe because of that, if he's coming off a quote-unquote down year, you could get him for four and a four, four, four and a half as opposed to five and a half or six. But that's a really good discussion point. Craig says... Uh, Koivu does sort of make sense, but maybe Jesse Pugliarvi needs an English-speaking mentor. I remember when he was here, a lot of the VIP players players seemed to ignore him. Strom and JJ were the ones that seemed to be the closest to him. Uh, hey, maybe we could bring back Strom as a Jesse Pugliarvi buddy. You know, Ryan Strom, to me, is 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 going to be remembered as one of those players who really got misused here in Edmonton. And look, if you're an NHL player, you have to perform. I I get that. You have to perform in whatever situation you're put in. You should be good enough and accomplished enough as a hockey player to do it. And the season didn't start well for him, and he didn't get to to play with the big guys because he wasn't producing points and all that kind of stuff. But then I thought, you know, they kind of tried to transform Ryan Strom into into a penalty killer. I don't know if you guys remember that year, when Ryan Strom and Jujar Kara was also often the first penalty-killing forward unit out on the ice for the Edmonton Oilers, that was the year for a while they were 54% on home ice. Strom's gone to the New York Rangers. He's been a pretty solid point producer. Andy S., the carpet guy, says, Hey, Reed Markstrom is a good goalie, no doubt, but not that much better than what Koskinen gives you. Tyson Berry is a good skating defenseman who would give us more mobility on the back end. I'm also a Troy Stetcher fan, and that's a good point. Stetcher uh, now available as well. 780-496-0063. We have Brian on hold. Brian, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. Uh, good here. It's good to talk to you again. So, you know what? First off, I'm, I think you're bang on as far as Barry goes. I think everything that you were saying 
uh, makes total sense. Uh, you know, as far as looking at Bear, bringing Barry in uh, from a defensive standpoint, uh, last time we talked, I mentioned about sh- I, I wouldn't mind maybe even seeing like uh, a player like Shattenkirk. Uh, but uh, Barry, I think, is a little younger, too, so he's got a few more years under him. As far as goalies go, um, yeah, I've got, I've got to agree with that last texter. You know, Markstrom, you can bring him in. Is he going to be any better than me, than um, than what we've got? Uh, you know, hard to say. Uh, you know, he, he was a solid number one, but throughout all last year and the year before, We've been going with a 1A and a 1B almost. So, uh, you know, I think you need somebody who's willing to do that. And I don't think Markstrom would be. Uh, Ryan Strom? Ryan Strom, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back. I I actually didn't think he got a good shake uh, here at Edmonton. But one name that I haven't heard uh, heard you mention, but maybe uh, before I got in the car you did, um, I actually wouldn't mind seeing uh, like Maroon come back. Just mainly oh, really? he's got great leadership and he likes to get dirty. And we need someone that's going to get dirty in front of the net during the power play. Okay. All right, Brian, good thoughts, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening tonight. Take care. I, I thought he, when he said one name that I haven't mentioned, I, I thought he was going to say Taylor Hall, who I haven't mentioned yet. And I, and I don't think is going to be an oiler unless he decides hey, I'm the missing piece in Edmonton and I'm going to go for a year and take a little bit of a discount and go for it with that team. Uh, but I, I think, I, I personally consider Taylor Hall to be a long shot to come to Edmonton. Brad says, I would go after Markstrom, build your team from the crease out. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, the, again, you, you need a, you need a really good or great goalie if you're going to win the cup. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I got plenty of text to get to. The phone lines uh, are open. I'm happy to hear from your ideas. Brian had some good ones. Uh, I got. I, I hope you will indulge me here for a second. Someone very, very special to me is listening tonight. She is celebrating a birthday. It is my aunt Mary tonight, uh, and uh, I love you, Aunt Mary. I'm glad you're listening. We're back after the break. So yeah, I was I was kind of going through my questions there, and I got uh, completely uh, long-winded and sidetracked, and I got some really good texts coming in. So my basic questions are: Who would you really target in free agency if you could run the Oilers tomorrow? Maybe even overpay to bring in, knowing that you might not get much else in free agency. Do you have anybody along those lines? Uh, Yessi Pulleyarvi coming back, and we will get to some clips probably in the next half hour of the show. Well, yes, in the next half hour of the show. Um, do you believe he can do it? Where is he going to fit in? What's his uh, what's his ceiling? Or maybe you just think he's going to come back and it won't go well again. And uh, the third question is, Thanksgiving, appropriate to serve canned ham? 7804960063, call or text. Like, if you just don't want to make a turkey, can you just roll out the canned ham for Thanksgiving? Be safer, wouldn't it? Jordan writes in, hey, Reed, who is 97 going to play with next season? I really think 
that left wing and a defenseman are top priorities, third line center and a backup goalie we can find for cheap later on. That is from Jordan. Oh, well, I think with the way we saw Dave Tippett handle the roster in the playoffs, Jordan, I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to be his left winger. It appears to me that's what the Oilers want to do unless they bring in other people. As I've said many times, if if Zach Cassian's contract is really going to make sense, does he not have to play on the right side in the top six? Um. And maybe, but maybe Puliyarvi can play up there. I'm talking about right wingers, the left wingers. Jordan, here, here's a question back to you, Jordan. Would you bring back Tyler Ennis for for a year and maybe a little over a million, you know, to give him a shot there if he wanted to stay here? Obviously, he suffered the broken leg in the playoffs. And as Bob has talked about, maybe you get into a situation where you can flip a right winger for a left winger, and there's going to be a long off season to do that. But that, that is a good question. This texter says, I suppose Jesse Belanger and Kay Whitmore are out of the question. Well, never say never. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll update the scoreboard. More time for your texts and phone calls. We're also going to catch up with Caden Gooley, the kid from Sherwood Park, a Prince Albert Raider who was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Thanks for tuning in. Back after the news, folks. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.